everyone, Sam here. You're listening to Explaining Christianity, a one-season, six-episode podcast designed to explain Christianity clearly. In each episode, we'll be listening to a short talk by Dave Denson and then spending some time chatting about what we've heard afterwards. You're listening to episode three. Before we hear the talk, I'm going to read from the book of the Bible which Dave is speaking from. It's called the Gospel of Mark. Mark is one of the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus recorded in the Bible. I'm reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let me make something very clear from the outset. This parable is not a parable about farmers. I'm sorry for those of you who are here from Bathurst or Dubbo or Timbuktu or wherever you're from. This is not about farmers. What do you do out there anyway? Anyway, it's great to have you here. Okay? It's not about, gee, we're very sensitive farmers all the time. It's not about farmers. It's not about agriculture at all. This is a parable about people. People. Jesus lists four types of soil And those four types of soil, he later explains, later in the passage, if you look through Mark chapter 4, he later explains that those four types of soil are actually four types of people. And in fact, no matter who you are tonight, no matter what your background, you are one of these four. The story is quite a simple one. It's of a farmer who's got seeds and he he sows them, and that just means he scatters them across the ground. Jesus explains that the seed is the word of God. It's, it's, it's the gospel, the good news. Now, what's the good news? The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. Jesus is God's king. Come to usher in God's people into God's kingdom. That's the good news. The farmer, well, that's just anyone who tells people about the good news. So right now, that's me, but it's every Christian who talks about Jesus doing these things. The soil... Well, that's us. Let me go through those four types of soil that we see Jesus talk about. First of all, we've got the hard soil. The hard soil. Now, who is that? Well, Jesus gives us the the answer uh, onwards near around verse 20 or so. The hard soil is the person who has no interest in God at all. They hear the message. It doesn't bounce out but it goes in one ear and out the other. There is no response, no recognition, no reply. They do not care. That's some of you tonight, and I know you. I see you because that was me. 
maybe pretending to be interested, maybe not, but already zoned out, carrying, you know, carrying the lights, so I don't know what you're doing. The second type of soil is the, the shallow soil. They're people who hear the word of God, who, who hear it and respond immediately with interest and with excitement. Oh my goodness, this is incredible. This is amazing. This is terrific. But, well, as soon as trouble comes, and let me assure you of something, becoming a Christian does not solve problems. It multiplies problems. As soon as trouble comes, they, they wilter and fade and, and fall. And that's some of you. And I know that because that was also... That was also me. Now, the third type of soil, well, that's the soil that grows up amongst weeds, thorns that, that choke it. But those weeds and thorns, they're not other people. No, no, they're people who hear the word, who respond positively, but over time, I call it the slow drift, like a piano going out of tune. Once it sounded good, but now it plays the same song, and boom, boom, boom. Distraction. Relationships. Money reputation, popularity, nothing wrong with those things, good things, good things, but that slowly edge away and become more important than God. But that's not the only type of soil. There is a fourth one. Have a look at verse 8. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Now, the fourth group... Verse 20 tells us what happens. They hear the word, they welcome the word, they spread the word. Who are those people? Who is the fourth soil, the good soil? Who are those people? Well, Jesus is making the point very, very clearly. Please do not miss this. The good soil, the, 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 the soil that produced the crop that grow and grow and grow and grow, well, they're, they're God's people. They're Christian people. According to Jesus, they're the people who are in the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is not a physical kingdom on our earth today. No, no, it's a spiritual kingdom. They're people who enter into God's kingdom now and forever. These are the people who go to heaven. These are the people who are God's. Now, here's the question. And if you've zoned out already, come back in. Listen. This is the question that we're going to try and answer tonight. And it's, and it's so important. You've got the fourth soil, the good soil that grows and grows. These are the people who go to heaven who are, who are God's people. Here it is. What is it that makes the good soil good? That's it. What is it that qualifies this soil? And remember, what is soil? People. What is it that qualifies these people to be God's people? What is it that they have to do? What is it that they need to achieve, to accomplish, to attain? What, are they, what do they need to perform? How do they need to behave? What is it exactly to be one of God's people? How do you get there? How do you qualify? Well, the truth is, my dear friends, there are hundreds of thousands of religions in the world, millions of different philosophies and psychologies and, 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 and theories about life and the afterlife and what happens next. And when you boil it all down, there's only two possible ways you could begin to answer that question and end answering that question. There's only actually two options available to you. Just like the meaning of life, and there's only really two ways of thinking about it, well, when it comes to the meaning of the afterlife, entering into the afterlife, there's only two possible options available. So what we're doing tonight is very, very simple. We're going to look at both of those options. Have a look at them, think about them. 
they compare and contrast them, because I guarantee you something already. Not only are you one of these four soils, well, you are living your life according to one of these two options. You already are. The key is working out which one you're on and whether it's possible to change if you want to or not. Well, let me show you the first one. The first option I call option me. Option me. Very, very simple, very, very popular, very, very common. Option me simply says, I will get to heaven because of what I do. Remember the meaning of life is found in what you do, what I do? Well, this is the same. In other words, heaven, the afterlife, eternity, that's for good people. That's where good people go. So in order to get there, I've got to be a good person. I've got to behave a certain way. I've got to act a particular way. If I do enough good things, well, that's what will qualify for me. If, if I truly want to be a Christian person, well, I've got to act Christianly. I've got to do Christian kind of things. Now, the key question is, what is good? What do you and I mean by good? We can work it out. Right now, I want you to imagine the best person that you know. The best person you know. What is it that makes them so good? What do you think? Think about that person. Visualize it. What is it about them that makes them so good? I guarantee you that very few people here thought anything to do with how smart they were at school or, or, or how talented they were in athletics or music. Or No, 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 no. When we are truly thinking about goodness, what do we think about? We think about how people treat one another. Is that true? How we relate to each other how we behave towards one another. So when we're talking about goodness in life, we generally think of things like kindness, selflessness, patience, generosity, people who give um, money and time to charities, to, to social justice causes, people who, who care deeply about other people more than themselves. Now, now, those are the things that we generally categorize as good in life. With good reason, those are good things to do. But of course, there's a religious version of this. We've got to identify that. Many people think there's good religious things that we also do. Things like reading your Bible, saying your prayers, going to church, getting baptized, taking communion, getting confirmed, speaking in tongues, not speaking in tongues, doing this, doing that. Yeah, they're the Christianish kind of versions, but you've got other religions. Eat like this, don't eat like that. Pray that direction, pray that direction. Wear this, don't wear that. Cut your hair like that, don't cut your hair at all. Do this, do this, do this, do this, and... God will give you a big tick. You're in. You made it. These are a whole realm of examples, just a small percentage of the things that many of us try and do, many people try and do, in order to qualify them for God. But what does Jesus say? Remember, there's only one voice that matters. There's only one voice that matters. What does Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal King of Kings, what does he say? Well, what I'm about to say to you, I never want you to forget Please, please never forget this. Jesus says, no. Being good will never get you into heaven. It does not work. It will not work. Not any of those things I just mentioned individually, nor all of them collectively, together, accumulatively, will ever qualify you for heaven. Being good will not get you into heaven. But why? Oi, let's be, let's be honest about it. That's ridiculous, isn't it? If you want anything in life, you've got to work for it. 
You've got to do good things to get it. So how come when it comes to the after, the most important thing, eternal life, how come that's not about what we do? Simple, simple. Jesus says the reason being good won't get you to heaven is simply because we're not good enough. How's that feel? You're not good enough. You won't make it. You won't make it. Forget about it. You won't make it. We tend to think, check this out, that entry into heaven's a scale, you know? There's Jesus at the top, there's Hitler down the bottom, <laughs> or Putin down the bottom, or Trump or Biden down there, whoever you want, Prince Harry down there, whatever you want down there, okay? <laughs> now, where's God's cutoff line? Well, we kind of think, well, let's say here, maybe there, 60%. And the key question is, where am I? Well, we generally think, oh, I'm just above 60%. <laughs> but why do you think that? Who told you that? Who told you that? The Bible didn't tell you that. Jesus tells us that God's standard is 100% perfection. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus says, perfection. And that leaves us in a terrible situation. Why? Because we have not had a perfect five minutes, let alone a perfect lifetime. Let me try and illustrate it this way. I want you to imagine that this book here, this book, this is your book. But this isn't an ordinary biography. Okay, normal biographies, of course, they highlight the good parts, they skim over the bad parts, and present it as something that it's not. But this isn't like that. This isn't reality TV biography. This is documentary biography. The first page is your birth. And here I can find out your death. But you see, this book, well, it's actually a terrible book to read. Because it doesn't just do the highlights or even just the lowlights. It's got everything. This book has everything you've ever done in it. I can read about today, everything you did. But not just everything you did, everything you said is here as well. But wait, not just everything you did and everything you said, everything you have thought is right here for me to read it. Let me ask you a very simple question. How would you feel if I could read out loud a copy of your book? How would you feel? Let me read out today. I'll tell you how I would feel. I'll tell you what I would do. I would run. I would change my name and move somewhere like New Zealand. Horrible. Somewhere. I would, no one would ever look for me because why would you go there? New Zealand. I would go there. Why would I do that? And why, honestly, would you do the exact same thing? Very simple. Because your book, your life, is full of things that you're ashamed of. All of us have acted in ways which we're deeply embarrassed about, we're deeply ashamed of. Now, the Bible has a word for that. God has a word for many of those things, and that word is sin. Now, the problem with the word sin is we can end up thinking sin is all this external actions. I looked at what I shouldn't have, or I spoke about that person, or I gossiped about that person, or I did this or the other. No, those are examples of sins, but bear with me. Don't miss this. Don't think of sin as breaking rules. Think about sin as breaking relationship. Sin, at its very core, is the rejection of God, rejecting God. Saying no to him and his word. Now, you got that in your head? 
Check out the three soils again. Have a look at that passage. You see, those first three soils, they might look like different responses, and they are. And yet all of them have something in common. What is it? All of them have heard the word and rejected the word. It's not that they do not hear it. It's they do not accept it. They say no to God. They say no to God and his way of living. And I want to make something very, very clear. That is our story. But please don't think this is me up here saying that's your story. I'm beneath you. I have a front row view to my own sin. How can any of us think we're better than each other? I know the things that I've thought. And you see, sin has terrible consequences, terrible consequences. God loves you. He made you to be in a loving relationship with him. But because of the things that you and I have said and thought and done, our relationship with God is destroyed. By our nature, we do not have a relationship with God. We do not veer towards God. We do not veer towards goodness. It's destroyed. And our sin isn't like, you know, brokenness or vulnerability or sadness. Our sin is a rejection of God. Because it gets worse. That means that one day when we die, and, and we will die, one day we will face God in judgment for what's in our book. And there's the standard. How will we be found? Guilty. Not guilty because we're more wicked than one another and more evil than one another. It's just like two men with broken legs comparing castes. My caste is better than your caste. Who cares? That's not what it's about. We're found guilty of rejecting God. That's option me. It cannot work. It does not work. It will not work. Dave, I've got a bunch of friends who aren't Christians, but who are some of the kindest and the best people that I know. Is Jesus really saying that even though they've lived a good and moral life, God won't accept them? Nah, that's not what Jesus is saying. Uh, he's saying something far more offensive, far more uh, confrontational than that. He's not saying that good and moral people aren't acceptable to God. He's saying that none of us are good and moral people not in the eyes of God. And I, I want to lay it out straight. I can see why that's really difficult to hear because all of us do know people who we consider to be good and moral, Christian and non-Christian, and we often think of ourselves that way or, or other people. But let me explain it uh, and clarify it again. It's all about the definition of the word good. You know, when we use the word good, we almost exclusively use it to, re to refer to our behavior towards other people. You know, when we think of a good person, we think of someone who treats someone with kindness or, or whatever. But, that's not how Jesus uses it. That's not how God uses it. Um, when Jesus uses the word goodness, the clarification of what a good person is, it is primarily regarding how they relate to God. And that's an issue, yeah, because none of us have related to God uh, in a way which is according to what he says. All of us have been disobedient. All of us have turned our backs on him and rejected him. And what that means is you can be the kindest, nicest, most moral person you've ever met. Keep all the traffic laws. Um, donate money to charity. But because you are a sinner, like everyone, you've turned your back on God. It means that you are not good, not in the eyes of God. Uh, and there's a few places in the Bible that are really helpful to explain this. Romans chapter 3 is probably the best. Uh, not the best. It's certainly one of my favorites. It puts it like this. 
there is no one righteous, not even one. No one who does good. And then it, it takes it even a step further to explain that helpfully. There is none who seek God. But of course, when we're honest with ourselves, we'll know that it's more than that as well. Because even if we were to be judged exclusively by the way we treat one another, don't forget that the Bible uh, tells us God sees everything we say and do and think. And so what that means is the reality of how we treat other people would be put uh, on clear display. A- and it wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> you know, uh, Mark 7, check that out if you have a Bible. Mark 7, Jesus talks about that it's what's within that comes out of a person and defiles them. Uh, so it's from the human heart that the problems of sin spring forth. Uh, the things that we do wrong, the ways that we treat each other and so on, those things are symptom of the human heart, symptomatic of the human heart. But the biggest one we have is a human heart, which is turned in on itself, which is full of sin. Uh, and so what that looks like in practice is twofold. Number one, it means that uh, every problem we have in the world comes back to human sin. Uh, every single one of them springs forth from sinfulness. Uh, that's what God tells us in the Bible. And when you consider your own life and you think of the majority of problems you face, uh, you will know um, that humanity's treatment of one another, either your relationships, your mistreatment of someone or someone's mistreatment of you, largely responsible for that. Okay, But it's far deeper, far deeper, because the biggest consequence of sin, uh, the biggest thing that makes us unacceptable to God is how we mistreat God. We do not treat him as he deserves. We do not have a relationship with him. We do not um, bend our knee before him as king. And that's the reality of life that Jesus offers. So if that's true, then why bother being good to each other at all? And not only that, you said that Christians had been responsible for lots of good. Why would Christians do that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's all about the order in which things happen. And this is really crucial. I reckon it strikes right to the heart of life for all of us. You see, Christianity teaches us jesus teaches us the bible all the way through that we don't do good things in order to get something good okay like we're sort of puppy dogs learning you know toilet training and if we we, we do our business in the right place and we get a treat from god that's not how this works that's not how life works that's not how you treat your own children you know god willing you wouldn't treat your own kids like that so why would we expect god to act that way we don't do good things in order to get something good from god We do good things as a result of receiving good things from God, receiving mercy, receiving grace, receiving love. And it's when you understand and completely understand and are grasped with uh, and you grasp hold of exactly what it means to receive the love of God, despite everything else. It's that that shapes and molds so much goodness. And then when, when you understand all of that, then when you read the Bible, you begin to understand that God calls us to obey him. Uh, not in order to win his love, but in order to obey him as a loving father who knows what's best for us. A couple of good passages about this. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read to you verse 10. I've got to hear verse, verse 10. Um, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, what does that mean? That means that God has created us to obey him. He has created us to do good things, to follow him, uh, to love him, to love others. And the Bible is full, of course, therefore, of ways in which we are to treat each other, which are endlessly good. And that answers the second part of your question. So the second part of your question is referring to why have Christians produced so much undeniable good around the world? And the reason for that is not as a um, 
as something that's done to impress, but something that's done as a result of uh, receiving the love of God. It's a crucial difference, crucial difference. Uh, and not only that, strikes right at the core of, of how best to enjoy life. Not done uh, with sort of the, the promise of getting a pat on the head, but rather done from the understanding that you are the recipient of the greatest love the universe has ever seen. Thanks for listening to the Explaining Christianity podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to whatisachristian.net to do so. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Virtual Church Assist.